This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. One of the narratives about our society is that while digital has made things easier, we have lost some of that personal communication. We don't call people up on the phone. We text them instead. And that bleeds into the business world at times as well. But in some cases, the key to business success is the communication or the storytelling. And in some cases, it may be a skill that is either hard to develop or one that has been lost. Dr. Murray Nossel is founder and directive of Narrative, which is a company that interacts with employees and employers to improve performance. He's also a member of the teaching faculty in the program of narrative medicine at Columbia University. And he has authored a book on this topic called Powered by Storytelling, Excavate, Craft, and Present Stories to Transition Business Communication. It's a pleasure to have Murray joining us on the show right now. Murray, welcome. Thank you so much, Dan. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. So from your perspective, why is storytelling so important? Well, our brains are actually hardwired for storytelling. We evolved as a human species in order to survive. We needed to evolve to pass on important survival information to our next of kin. And how did we do that? We did that through stories. We needed to share with our next of kin uh, and fellow members of our clans uh, just what kinds of things to look out for in the world that were dangerous and also what kinds of things were key to our survival. So if you think about um, just the the basic needs of food, shelter, and clothing – We needed to be able to communicate and pass on information about how to secure these kinds of things. So storytelling evolved in the human species to do that. And, of course, it has continued to evolve. And now we're passing on tremendously sophisticated information to one another, and not only to our next of kin, but oftentimes to the world. And because it's a hardwired brain function, it's actually the most powerful way of communicating messages to other people. And the final thing that I'll say to answer your question is that storytelling not only involves the intellectual function, but it also touches something much deeper with inside of us, which is uh, the heart as well. So it's something that connects mind to heart. That's why it's such a powerful mode of communication. Is it a skill, uh, and you talk about how the fact that, that not everybody is able to have this ability, I, I, I think that's a probably a, a relatively common belief, but is it a skill that at times is a lost one? Well, it's a, it's a skill that for many people, have, did you say lost? Yes, lost. Yes, it's been lost by many people because uh, particularly technology, the way that it is at the moment, We oftentimes live in the illusion that we are actually connecting with and communicating with other people in a deep fashion because we have the ability to communicate instantly with one another, let's say through a text. But is true connection really happening here? I would say not. The other thing is that, you know, you can put up a bunch of stuff on your social media page and say, well, that's my story. Right. But is it actually a story? No, it's an assembly of um, data about yourself that people can construct into a story if they like, but it's not necessarily a story. So, yes, I think we've lost 
our natural inclination to be able to tell stories. But of course, this can be retaught because the hard wiring and the pathway is already there in the brain to be able to do so. What do you think then has been the impact of storytelling or the lack uh, of having that ability been on business? Well, I think it's tremendously impactful on business. I'm just thinking of a very recent example, okay? And let's look at uh, Mark Zuckerberg's testimony before Congress. Right. Now, I'm not saying anything right now about Mark Zuckerberg, and I just want to make that absolutely clear. I'm not talking about his personality or anything to do with him as a person. I'm just analyzing the transcript of the testimony. Okay, so let's have a look at the story that Mark Zuckerberg says about himself, the story he tells about himself. If you scour through that transcript, you'll see that there's basically one story that's being told, and that is the story, personal story, of how he invented Facebook in his dorm room, right? Right. Now, there's another kind of inferred narrative or inferred story that, uh, yes, he created it in his dorm room, and he has now turned into a billionaire mogul, who's yeah. CEO of Facebook. Well, that's a story that he's telling us. And what he has to do be before Congress is to convince Congress and the rest of the world that he is trustworthy, that we should be able to trust him, right? Right. Now, how trustworthy is that particular narrative. What can we take away about his values, about the values of Facebook, if we just look at that narrative on its own? It's too basic a narrative. And so what, he's, what he needs and what his business needs now is a much more sophisticated narrative that will help us truly reconnect with and trust him and this brand again. That's not enough of a narrative. So the more sophisticated we become in our communications and the more we are subjected to people transmitting messages, the more skeptical we become about what we're actually hearing. So if you tell a fact-based story just recounting the events of what happened and you do that skillfully, we are more uh, inclined to be able to trust you and to believe in what you're saying, and to support your business. So I think that these days, messaging and the way that leaders represent their businesses is of crucial importance. And that's why you're seeing uh, Harvard Business Review you know, running articles about the importance of storytelling for leaders, for instance. Dr. Murray Nossel is the author of the book, Powered by Storytelling, Excavate, Craft, and Present Stories to Transition Business Communications. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. In some of the companies that you have worked with with for narrative, uh, the 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 need to be able to impress upon them the need for storytelling, it, it at some point ends up having a bottom line impact for the company, whether it be a sales deal, whether it be a merger, whether, you know, whatever it may be. Do companies realize enough that there is that correlation between storytelling and the bottom line? No question about it. Companies are increasingly recognizing how storytelling affects their bottom line. Let's take, for example, one of my clients, who is Craig Kostelich, who's one of the chief business officers at Condé Nast Publishing. 
Now, Craig, who used to just be in charge of the business of what's called the Food Innovation Group, okay. i.e. Condé Nast's food publications, is it has now been given three other publications. So he altogether now has four separate uh, kinds of, of brands that he has to bring together. And now he has to be able to sell this combined brand, which he's now calling a lifestyle brand, to their customers. In other words, the people who advertise, the companies that advertise in Condé Nast publication. He has to be able to come up with a new story about what this, this merger of these brands means. And the more, the more able he is to come up with a narrative that connects the dots of these different brands, the more people are going to be convinced that he has something coherent. Once again, the brain evolved to be able to make experiences coherent for us, and that's what we're searching for as humans. Now, I heard on an announcement just before we came on that Sprint and T-Mobile are considering merging, or there's something in the works that they're going to be merging. Right. They are going to need to come up with some new story that explains this merger and explains to the consumer why this merger is going to be better for the consumer than the two companies operating independently. So that story will become essential. And the people who work for T-Mobile and Sprint are going to have to understand that as well, because suddenly two cultures could potentially be merging. So the storytelling has a bottom line effect, not only for the relationships between the company and its consumers, but also for those who are working within the company and for them to stay motivated and clear about the message, they need to know what the story is. That was going to be my next point because seemingly that's a that's almost like a top-down mindset that, you know, you may have the decision being made at the C-suite level, but you have to take that all the way down all through every level of your organization to be able to try and, and build that idea moving forward, whether it's Sprint and T-Mobile or if it's, you know, two other companies or it's a new narrative, a new direction that a, that a particular company is taking. It has to go from top to bottom to be able to be a success. Absolutely so, Dan. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. And I'm going to add something to that. Yes, it has to originate at the top. Someone at the top has to decide that the story is important and the story has to disseminate right throughout the company. But then it also has to happen after that from the bottom up. So, for instance, if we take the mission of a company, right, let's take, for instance, again, look at Facebook. What's the mission of the company, which is for people to be able to connect with those around the world? Well, for me, it would be important for every single member of Facebook who works there to be able to own that mission. Everybody in a company needs to find a, their story of connecting with the mission, their own story. And that's the way that this mission is truly going to be, you know, radiated out into the world. But you are quite right. If the, if the impetus to do that does not come from the person at the very top, it will not work. Because this approach to storytelling has to actually be authorized by the person at the top. Everyone in the company needs to be able to feel its importance so that they can connect their own personal story to the mission. Well, and, and I, I would think, Murray, that, I mean, when you, 
it really doesn't matter the level of business, whether it be Fortune 500 company, mid-sized or small company, the ability to storytell. And I, I would think especially if you're talking about small business as well, especially if you're talking about a small business where you have a few clients and the connection between the business and the client can be built out by storytelling, the benefits for the small business are, are incredible. Precisely. I mean, if you think about the way that many small businesses are now um, presenting who they are, it will be a website, right? You're going to go to the small business website to find out, you know, what does this business do? I've got a, a, a perfect example here of a new clinic that is being established in New York City. And the doctor, who is who's also the director of this clinic, has very smartly asked me to come in to this this company and they just have a, a small staff of 18 and he says before we open the doors and it's going to be a very exclusive clinic i want absolutely everyone the nurses the social workers the doctors i want everyone to be on board with what our message our mission our values are and they are now going to use that as a way of creating the culture of the organization. And I think that's what you're talking about right there, is that when we establish that connection with our clients, no matter how big or small we are, what we are doing is we are strengthening and constantly in a process of iterating and innovating our culture and, and, and making it more and more identifiable to those outside. How, how difficult can it be when you have a situation where you have an idea, but uh, at somewhere along the line, uh, the message is changed or impacted and, you know, the, somebody is not staying on point. Somebody is not staying on delivering the message as is. Seemingly, that, that, that can be crushing to, uh, to an idea, to a company. Yes, and that's why this takes practice. <laughs> if yeah. you don't actually spend some dedicated time and space and if you as a company don't recognize the importance of doing this, you, you fall into the dangerous zone of putting out messages that are erroneous and may even be destructive to your company. And that's why I recommend very highly that companies, both large and small, create dedicated times and spaces where people sit around and they actually think about the story that they're going to tell, and they practice telling that story with one another. And the one thing that I must add there is that kind of storytelling can only take place in the context of open and non-judgmental listening. So that's the reason why I always train people first to be able to listen openly and without judgment, and then to tell their stories so that you feel absolutely free to be able to tell a story um, rather than feel that you're constrained by other people's scrutiny and judgment. But you need to carve out a time, whether you are an individual, a small team, or a large team, to devote to the way that you are disseminating your messages through storytelling. How does this play a role in the medical world, especially in this day and age? Uh, huge role in the medical world. One of the things that's happened to us 
um, and this is both a good thing and a bad thing, of course, is that medicine has become increasingly specialized. And there are so many tests that you can do now to see what's ailing a person. But what's been lost in the process of this is that thing that we used to call the bedside manner, the art of diagnosis, you know, the art of being able to connect with a patient and to ask that little question that unlocks a problem. I can give you a perfect example here, and that is my very own doctor, okay? okay? So I go and see this doctor for the very first time in New York City, and I'm kept waiting a little longer than is comfortable for me because I have to get back to the office, and I am furiously typing away on what was then my BlackBerry, and uh, finally I go to the doctor's office, and I'm just Seething, you know, my blood is boiling, and I say, you've kept me waiting for so long. <laughs> and he says, oh, I'm so sorry about that, you know. Oh, God, this is a big problem. And he said, but, uh, but never mind, you know, sort of sit down. He spent an hour listening to my history. Well, that's why the guy was running so late. I mean, this is yeah. business not as usual, right? Anyhow, in the, con- in the, in the process of listening to my story, he says, oh, so you're from South Africa, are you? And I say, yes, I am. And he says, um, which part? And I say, oh, Johannesburg, but I lived in Cape Town for a while. Right. Now, when I tell many, most people that I lived in Cape Town, they say, oh, what a beautiful city. I've been there. It's incredible. Or I've heard it's incredible. Or I must go there, whether it's a doctor or anybody. That's how they normally respond. He says to me, oh, you grew up in South Africa, did you? Did you spend a lot of time in the sun as a kid? I said, yes, I did. He said, um, when last did you have a dermatological checkup? I said, well, well, I haven't had one in quite a while. He said, I'm making an appointment for you to go for a dermatological checkup right away. Now, he didn't even examine my skin. He just diagnosed that on the basis of carefully listening to my story. Yeah. He was listening for what wasn't obvious. Do you know that I went to the dermatologist and he found on me a malignant melanoma in situ, which means it was still in the outer skin, but if it would have penetrated underneath that, I wouldn't be speaking to you right now, probably. And it's because Mm. of his careful listening to my story that he actually saved my life. So that's, you know, just a very, uh, you know, sort of a, a nuts and bolts example of how important storytelling is in medicine. Yeah, but but, but firsthand, it, it really reinforces for you specifically the importance of this when you see it firsthand in your life. Precisely. And, Mur- uh, yes. Murray, great to have you on the show. Uh, thank you very much for coming on, uh, and all the best with the book. It's a, It's a fantastic work. Thank you so much, and I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. Thank you. The book, again, is powered by storytelling. Dr. Murray Nossel is the author. Uh, Great to have him joining us on the show. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 